1986, my partner and I were melding two families together. Never an easy task. So we thought it would be good to go on holiday, have time for ourselves and let the kids enjoy sea and sand away from everyday squabbles. Doubtless there would be lots more to fight and sulk over, but at least we could drink cheap wine and block them out. An advert in the local paper's classifieds attracted us. Travel in luxury to the south of France, it heralded. Relax in our brand new coach and stay in a mobile home on a well-appointed campsite in Argelès. Sounds right up our boulevard, we thought. We go to the office and are shown a picture of the brand new coach with toilet, reclining seats and a TV. Bring your own videos. The price is amazing, so we sign up immediately. Better still, it's for the week Prince Andrew is marrying Sarah Ferguson, so we will be blissfully far, far away from all that ballyhoo. The schools break up and the next day we wait for the splendid coach to pick us up, totally ignoring a heap of a bus parked up. The driver, Dave, a cheery soul, approaches us. Up on, he says jovially. We pick it up in Birkadad. I interpreted that as meaning we'd be picking up the proper coach at the next stop. We leave a bit late. We're on the three o'clock boat, says Dave. That gives us six hours to Dover from the Wirral. Hmm. We sit behind a couple with a small child who argue loudly about money all the way to the next stop. They get off in Birkenhead and are never seen again. Perhaps they fooled the child into thinking Birkenhead was in the south of France. Oh, and there is no posh bus. Broken crankshaft, apparently. So we're going all the way in the tatty heap. And disastrously, there's no toilet. A thousand miles and no toilet. Hell's teeth. Dave is a Cliff Richard fan and plays his cassettes on repeat as we queue through the roadworks on the M6 and M1. My teeth are on edge and the world and his neighbour are on the move now that the school holidays have started. We request the TV and a video. Best to save that for the evening, love, says cheery Dave. We demand very necessary stops at several service stations. Our youngest's bladder has a mind of its own, which adds to the time taken. But Dave's still optimistic that we'll get to the ferry in Dover on time. We don't. As we wait the two hours for the next ferry, my partner goes into the shop at the port. Dave's in front of him buying a map of France. <laughs> Don't know the way, jokes Mike. Never been there, says Dave. Yeah, Boris motorway all the way, no probs. The second driver is an off-duty policeman on a foreigner. And he's never been there either, but he's not bothered because he's not staying in France. He's just going halfway down. We will pick up another driver on the way. A French driver. We both feel a bit edgy by now. We arrive in Calais and it's almost dark. As we chug through northern France in the slow lane, with even two CVs passing us, the ancient TV is cranked up. It doesn't work. Dave's on a rest period and the policeman's driving, so as we're chugging down the auto route, Dave decides on a perilous mission to take the TV down to try to fix it. He can't. And although, or perhaps because, passengers help, it's soon in 
irreconcilable bits on the seat across from the driver. Meantime, our kids have gone to sleep on the floor because, of course, the seats don't recline. We begin to face up to the fact that we've been conned. In the early hours, us not sleeping on the totally unsuitable seats, we go round and round a town looking for a rendezvous. Dave's supposed to meet the new driver, but he's missed him somehow. So we drop off the policeman and go on N routes, not the auto route, thus reducing speed even further. We are now illegal, only having one driver. As it gets light, we turn onto a small road passing a nuclear power station with a large notice, Danger Demore. Somewhat unnervingly, Cliff belts out summer holiday again. We are bewildered as to why we're here. Eh, trying to find the autoroute, route, says Dave. Once back on the autoroute, route, we eventually locate the new driver and we stop for a very late breakfast at a horrid cafe at the turn-off to Boline. It must belong to the French driver's cousins because we're evidently not there for its quality. By now, we are some six hours late, somewhere between Montelimar and Orange, with a chorus of kids up and down the coach asking, are we nearly there yet? We turn off west of Marseille and Dave announces he wants to take the scenic route and go by larger tangs, saltwater lakes. We are mutinous. Just bloody get there, we shout at him, which he cheerfully ignores. When exhausted, we roll up at the campsite eight hours late. We are met with what looks like a refugee camp. Disparate, furious families sitting on suitcases, having been turfed out of the mobile homes at ten that morning, and now it's six o'clock. They know they will have a miserable trip back. As the coach is unloaded and loaded again, Dave goes off for a quick meal, a shower, but no sleep. He's driving them back. After the journey, the holiday is almost uneventful. The kids love the pool and rarely want to do anything else, which is fine by us. My daughters rush up one day and say Steve has been hypnotised by some boy of his age. My partner dashes off to investigate and he finds his son asleep. Seething inside, he calmly asks the boy to wake Steve up, which he does immediately. Steve remembers nothing and there doesn't seem to be any lasting effect on him. We wish we could take the young hypnotist back on the coach with us at the end of the week just to get a decent sleep. Steve is 13 and he wants to go to the evening discos on his own. We don't feel we can let him go alone so we all go. Steve is furious and sits at the side while we dance with the girls until, with parting evil stares at us, he storms back to the mobile home. Given that we endured all this partly to avoid the royal wedding, it was in vain. TVs were set up outside the bar, bunting and balloons put up, seating placed in rows and we were advised to book our seats for the day-long party. Needless to say, we went out for the day. But when we arrived back at about 8pm, the party was in full swing. The kids were all for joining in. But it was getting to the stage of a party where you take the kids home, not throw them into the impending debauchery. The week away was in fact okay, and the journey back, notwithstanding the heap of a coach, was without incident. When we got back to base, the young woman who'd sold us the holiday was there to meet us. 
We complained about the journey down. We listed all its shortcomings, including gratuitous playing of Cliff Richard, disgusting cafes, and the final straw of horrendous detours round its hangs. She just smiled. Ah, that's Uncle Dave. He just wanted to have a good time. And everyone loves Cliff. In recounting the story to our now grown-up kids, we asked what they remembered of the holiday. Joanna said she remembered nothing as she relied on her sister to remind her of her childhood. Louise said she remembered meeting a school friend there. Steve said all he remembered of it in 1986 was the World Cup. We wondered why the hell we'd bothered. <laughs>